We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Day More NBA podcast. We're recording this on October 29th, officially under three weeks away from the NBA draft. And then if this December 22nd date of the season start is real, that means 55 days until the regular season. So we're back. I guess basketball is relevant again. And joining today to chop this up with me, I guess, is my friend Jonathan Charks of The Ringer. Charks. You know I appreciate you. You're a national media member who consistently does not treat the Timberwolves like a G League team. And you wrote a big old article this week. You got to know, we appreciate you. We appreciate you in Minnesota. You, you, you give the team some respect. Thank you for doing this. How are you? Well, I appreciate you guys. I mean, Fargo's really cool. Close enough, right? <laughs> no, don't. You alienated. it. You blew it right there. You blew it right there. <laughs> I like your Midwestern charm. It's great. It's great. We should. You you came up here once or twice last year. Once. Yeah, yeah. But the the weather was bad. Remember, One time, was really, everyone was really nice though. That is that is the that is our shtick. I, ha- I, I, I had a Lucy Goosey. What's it called? Where the cheese is inside. Oh, juicy the... Lucy. Juicy. Yeah, Lucy. it was all right. Yeah, I think it's a little overrated. It's like one of those things that they like label as your state's thing, and I'm like, I don't know. I've had like four of them in my life, but it's what we got. You're just a coastal elitist trapped in Minnesota, Dane. That's what it is. You're not, you're not, you're not a man of the people. You're not eating juicy Lucy's. <laughs> I don't know how I became that if I've lived here my whole life. But, um, <laughs> All right. So you, in your article, you paralleled um, the Wolves' potential trajectory here, kind of in advance of the draft, to that of the Denver Nuggets, kind of from the past few years. Uh, obviously, that's something um, – I know I think people can kind of connect the dots to you and I have talked about that um, in the past, but it makes a lot more sense now, right? With the cat D'Lo pairing um, to, to Jokic and Murray, you talk about Malik Beasley 
he obviously has that connection there being from or growing up kind of in the in the Denver organization you talked about adding a Paul Millsap the Wolves needing that and then um you know kind of point four I guess of yours was just this decision to do with the what to do with the first overall pick and kind of how the Wolves seem to need their their Michael Porter Jr but I think for you what attracts you to the Wolves and what you would say should attract others to the Wolves is Carl Anthony Towns and just maybe we in Minnesota here brush over that a bit too much of just the fact that he's still a really, really good piece to build a team around. So just what, I guess, what draws you to Cat most? I mean, it's obvious, isn't it? Like, just <laughs> insanely talented basketball player. Right. I write, I send you those GIFs of like when he's taking guys off the dribble from the three-point line and dunking on them and like shooting step-back threes. It's just it, – what he does – shouldn't really be possible like you know what i mean it's just yeah. you wouldn't even, it doesn't even really make sense what he does on the court sometimes it's pretty outrageous just like the level of talent is just unreal and i think i mean those two things you bring up really highlight like independent able to do that stuff and be offensively dominant independently like you don't you don't need a teammate to be able to hit a step back three like you don't really need a teammate to be able to take your guy off the dribble and go dunk on him like but that's – so we've already kind of seen that from Cat, and now it's like, what if he does have teammates? What if he, yeah. what if he isn't getting double teamed? What if, he, what if he can, you know, work with a, with a D'Angelo Russell? And I think that – hopefully that's a shift we see in the Wolves this year is, is less of a reliance uh, on him last year that just kind of, you know, limited him offensively and defensively. Yeah, I think that's where the Denver thing comes in. It's just, I mean, like, if you watched the playoffs last year, or I guess this year, whatever, the pick and roll <laughs> between Murray and Jokic, and then also Bam and Hero. It's this yeah. idea, when you have the guard who shoots off the dribble, and you have the big who, you, who can post up smaller guys and pass, right. it kind of destroys the defensive options, right? It's just basically like arithmetic. Okay, go under the screen, guard's going to shoot. Over mm -hmm. the screen, guard gets around it, and then you got... A three, you got a four on three for the big. Switch the screen, and you've got, right, the big switch on a little guy. Blitz the screen, same thing, four on three. And so anyone a defense does, there's an option, right? Either Cat's got an open three on a pop, a smaller guy, and a post up, and he's got the ability, and he's a four on situation to make the extra pass, right? And so that kind of unlocks Cat's game. Is like, how many seven footers can shoot, post up, and pass, and dribble? Very, very few. And so if you can have the guard to match that, that makes it almost unguardable. Like there's something always open. And then like D'Angelo, right? Like who is the best off the dribble shooting guard the Bulls have had since Cats? Been? I guess Butler is if you can count that as off the dribble guard. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, people might say Zach Levine, but when Levine was here, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't doing what he was doing in Chicago. I mean, it's yeah, it's really been like the people he's ran pick and rolls with have been Ricky Rubio, Jeff Teague, uh, Tyus Jones, like Jared Bayless. Like it's yeah, been, no, it's been yeah, bleak. No, none of those guys, you can all, you can switch them screens or go under it and live with whatever they do. And so that makes right. you, lets you double cat, right? So this play is useless. And then now you unlock the combination of this play of having the guard and the big man. Right. So you talked about that in the article. I, I was curious, and maybe this is just like – thinking about the other side of the coin there if you're the if you're the coach and you you are defending this what like 
as you said, it's pick your poison kind of, but what poison would you pick there? Like, what are you going to try and make that cat and D'Lo pick and roll do? Uh, give shots to somebody else for sure. Right. Like I mean, there's got enough shooting around that. That's yeah. That's a third part of it. Right. Cause you have to have the space yeah. for that to work. So yeah, you would crowd the pick and roll and make them move the ball. You, you want to hear a, a, this is a sad stat, but having i've said this on the pod a bunch of times before but i think it really sticks out as particularly gross is there's like 200 players who took 100 catch and shoot threes last season last in the league in catch and shoot threes was josh percentage was josh akogi second to last was trevion graham who was on the wolves and started for a lot of the year and then i think it's eighth worst was jared culver who obviously played alongside cat there yeah, and, too trevion Graham is probably not in the league anymore right like, I don't think he's got a job right now. Yeah, he was with the – yeah, exactly. And he start, He literally started – was on the opening day starting lineup around those guys. So it is the – that is the crux. But I, I'm wondering – I also don't think – that that issue really showed up when Cat would get the ball in the post last year, right? Like, they would just double him. Yeah. And then and then he'd have to hit that skip over to a Kogi or Culver or Graham or whoever, and that was just, like, bad offense. But – I think it's easier said than done if you're the defense to be like, all right, we're going to force Cat and D'Lo to get the ball out of the pick and roll. Like, I don't even know – I don't even know what the answer there really is. You, you, Like, they can just kind of assert their force of will. They don't – if it's a pick and roll and this isn't a post-up situation, they can kind of – they can kind of conduct whatever that action is more so, I feel like. And I think, too, you want the guys moving off the ball. Like, what did you think of their – like, of Saunders' offense last year? Did he think he got enough movement off the ball? No, I mean, well, it was, I, it was, in, it was kind of supposed to be stagnant because, like, really, basically, it was, it was either five out, right, and Cat was kind of up top, yeah, there, you know, doing his thing where he could do the like, he could obviously shoot it, he could take that step back, he could take his guy off the dribble, but when it's five out, you're just kind of stuck in spots. I remember uh, Shabazz Napier was like, "We don't have, we don't have plays." We have places on the floor and, yeah. and like, that sounds great, <laughs> but, but it is, it is that's stagnant. That's Houston and Roses. That's, that's where the Houston thing comes in from what Roses is doing. Oh yeah. I mean, there's, I don't mean this in a bad way, but there's massive influence obviously from the front office as to, you know, what the obviously. way that they want to be. Yeah. Obviously they want to be playing, but then the, the other way, so you got the five out, you got the four out and you roll cat into the post. Right. And you, and, you know, that's good offense. Cat is one of the bigs who can still, you know, really dominate on the block. But then but then that's stagnant, too, because they're just going to bring the double over to him. And, okay, now you got the skip. And we're, we're stuck because there, there's there's no shooting there. So That's I don't... why I bring up the cutting. Because I remember the one game I really – I went down and watched before I wrote to the Toronto game. Because that was mm-hmm. the game where you had Cat, Beasley, Russell. I think the one game all season they all played. Yep. And he had seven assists in that game. And there were even more plays in that game where the guy missed the layup. Like, I people don't remember this, but Wancho missed, like, literally four layups in that game. <laughs> that thing he was doing a lot last year when he came to Minnesota. It was like, bro, finish a layup. My God. Yeah, it was weird. Cause he actually shot the ball really well, like, from yeah. three. But he, he lacked power there. And and then they, they used Okogi as a cutter a lot there, too. I'm really interested about the way in which they decide to use him next year. Like, I think he will be used kind of, like, even in the dunker spot or like the corner, like dropping down as that's more of you, a cutter. That's there. where you got to use him, obviously. You know? Yeah. But well, <laughs> I mean, not that obviously he was used 
like pre-trade deadline, he was used as a shooting guard and like was Ryan was fine with him taking five threes. Like I think, I think it's really important for them. I don't know exactly what the answer is, but to find some sort of evolution for him because, because really the, the way I look at it is we're talking about like the pieces on this roster right now that are for sure like core pieces a year or two from now, and obviously it's Cat and D'Lo. And then I think Akogi is the only other one you can say, like, about for sure. Like? Well, not, you know, not signed. I mean, yeah, if if, if 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 they were to sign him. But I think there's – I think it's it's likely that they bring him back. But, I, I mean, I don't know if you just saw it, like, literally right before we started. Shams just reported that Beasley just got charged in his – No, uh, I did I did not see that. So what yeah. was the, what's the charge? fifth degree drug possession so i don't i i haven't looked into it at all yet as i'm we started we started going right away so i mean malik like i don't think that in and of itself is going to preclude him from being signed or whatever but there there are other things like he might just really leverage his way financially to an extent that the wolves might not want to bring him back i mean, I mean he's, he's he's a clutch guy right no so he just he just left um, Clutch just this week, signed with really, him, or it was just reported with a with a new agent and a guy who I hadn't you know Who's heard of before. Agent? It's Fred Van Vliet's guy, Brian Younggrease, Younggrease. So, so kind of a younger agent. Yeah, yeah. I interesting. I also think it's interesting that it's Fred Van Vliet's guy because, like, who's going to get the most money in free agency this summer? Like Van Vliet, right? Wow. So he just joined Clutch last year. Wow, he's that's not a great sign. This is his third agent in less than a year. Yeah, well, I don't think that was a. I don't think that was a very good parting of ways with with Clutch there too. Apparently, that happened kind of like the beginning of the pandemic. Oh, interesting. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't have all the details there. But the, breaking news big, over here. Look at you. <laughs> bigger, bigger picture. There, there's a, there's a cloud of doubt, and I, we'll get to Anthony Edwards later too. But there's some, there's some overlap in style of play with you know, with Beasley there, um, that if, who knows if Anthony Edwards is there. Okay, so I guess let's, let's take a step back real quick. So yeah. like, let's assume Beasley is not in jail next year. So then you go, let's assume he's back. And then it's mm-hmm. D'Lo, Beasley. I think you can, pro- I, my guess would be you could say the lineup's going to be Cat, D'Lo, Beasley, Akoji. That's my guess. Those four are all in it. Mm-hmm. So that fifth spot, what is happening in that fifth spot in the lineup? Who do you want? Who makes the most sense? Well, <laughs> I think the tricky part is, like, t- t- for me, I see I see a lot of value in having a four next to Cat, who can who can take some responsibility off of him defensively. I think it was brushed over the value of Taj Gibson mm-hmm. as as a, as a four next to him. Obviously, that wasn't a great offensive fit. Taj can't shoot, but Taj, to use the Denver example, they played the Nuggets. Taj would guard Nikola Jokic. You know that that's big. That yeah. helps Cat stay out of foul trouble. It also, it also took Cat out of defending pick and rolls a lot. Like whatever, Taj would be the guy defending the screener. If it's the Nuggets or whoever, and objectively, that's a weakness of Cat's is decision making in the pick and roll. So, I think we while we saw Cat's pick and roll numbers defensively really drop is because now he's the only big out there. Covington yeah. isn't. Covington isn't. Wasn't going to be that guy. You know. And they don't, and I don't think Wancha really is too. So I say that because that makes sense to me. But as I understand it, 
more important to them is having like they wouldn't dream of bringing Taj Gibson back into the style of play they want to play with. Yeah, they want a guy not only to be able to shoot but to be able to run, and and that's just that's just not going to okay. Be that sort so of guy. would you make would it make sense then to go James Johnson and not start a Koji? Yeah, I I, I think so. I I think so. I mean, I also think a ton of like movement is about to happen with this team over the yeah. next month, whatever. Like in terms of they they could go. I picture the whiteboard in their front office has like a million different spider webs off of it. Like if this, then that, but at the end of the, yeah, they have to, they have to answer that of like, I'm just curious how, how are they pursuing that option X a cat? Is it, is it going to be James? Is it going to be a James Johnson type of guy, which I think is different than a Wancho Horn and Gomez type of guy too. Who's just a shooter. Cause as you said, Wancho isn't finishing around the bucket and he's not, he's also not defending near the bucket. So what are they prioritizing? I, I honestly, at that other, at the other power, at the power forward position, I don't really know. And that seems that's to be a what big makes question. the Millsap thing is like you, like he's like the perfect guy. If you could get like the Millsap Denver got three years ago, that'd yeah. be the perfect guy. But obviously, that guy's hard to find. Yeah, and I I agree with you, but it's also Millsap signed for thirty million. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't like. You brought up Jay Crowder in your article as like the Millsap guy for them. And well, I mean, what do you think Crowder's going to get? 10, 12. Yeah, let's see. I was going to say like yeah, probably around 12, 14, something like that. Like I just don't think I don't think they go there isn't a Paul Millsap out there. So now we're moving into these like kind of smaller guys who can maybe be a small ball four but they're thick. And and part of me thinks like do that with a Kogi. Do that with a Kogi for 2 million. Like, have him be that four. Yeah, but he ain't going to guard Jokic, obviously. Like, he's not going to guard your fives, well, right, if you're looking for a guy. But neither is Jay Crowder. Like, it's well, either you go. James Johnson, right? Right? Yeah. Yeah. But the, 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 the spider web, too, is James Johnson on the team, or are they trading him because he's the he's their one piece that they can. But what are they trading him for, you think? Like, what what like what piece is he going to get you in a trade? I well, guess it's hard like to a... say with them because they're always making trades. Yeah, I mean, I think he's a human trade exception, whatever. Yeah. You know, like, he's got this $16 million contract. Now you can, like, if you want to go him and Culver, now you're up over $20 million. Like, you – and you got the first overall pick to play with. Like, if you're able to, you know, maybe break up – what I've talked about a lot is if you ever, like, trade back one to eight with the Knicks and pick up, like, the Knicks 2021, something like – like, other assets. Now, if you – now, can you do Culver, James Johnson, and a first that's not the number one pick? Like, what is, you know, what is that going to get you? It's, I mean, there's there's not a ton of names out there. One I've thrown out a bunch is I, I feel like Karis LeVert, uh, or that archetype of guy yeah. would would make a lot of sense. Someone who can you know play on the ball, but also he's under contract for numerous more years. It, I I think it's it's kind of that's the James Johnson if you're trading him sort of path mm-hmm. and i would assume they're either trading him this summer or at the deadline like deadline probably you might guess also yeah. this summer it's snow it's snowing in minnesota <laughs> but if you like all right so so it's like why wait though because well, who's gonna make you, the trade right you gotta find the other team that wants to make the trade is why you gotta wait and i guess i'm just suggesting get a little bit more desperate so you can actually play the style of basketball you want to be playing like if we wait until February, whenever the deadline's going to be, like now the whole first half of the year has been cat 
playing a role that he's maybe not going to really play. Like they got to start, <laughs> they got to start playing at least how they're going to play. I'm not, I'm not a person here like pounding the table like, oh, you got to make the playoffs or something. You got to kind of start competing. You don't have the first round pick next year. Hey, what about um, what about Jeff Green? Yeah, he played small five for Houston pretty well in the playoffs. Yeah, I I he, honestly think people it'll seem be... to like him. I think he's a good I, enough guy. I think there's a lot of guys out there. Like they're not like Jeff Green, obviously not a sex name. What I mean, he's been on the minimum for like the past what like three four years. Yeah, I could just. You at least got to get like a placeholder in there, and maybe James Johnson's just a placeholder. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's that's just the answer there. But it's hard. It's hard to have like a. It's hard to have a conversation about like how are the Wolves going to play because we don't even know. We know that Cat and D'Lo are going to start, probably Beasley. But yeah. other than that, it, it, it's really, you know, it's really feels like it's 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 up in the air. And see, what I, I think looking back on it, what I wonder is that Culver pick, because I just feel like if you had the sixth pick. You should have been like trying to address that four spot next to Cat, right? That makes more sense to me than drafting Culver. The funny thing is they thought it did address their four spot because what it did is they got Sarich out of there because they didn't want a guy like Sarich playing yeah. next to him. And and then I don't remember draft- was going to be the Covington was going to be the four. I guess is the idea. Yeah, which was like a that was like one of the biggest like revelations or whatever of draft night. I like they literally had no. F- forwards left on the, the roster and I was like so what's the plan and, and I was like what's going on to replace Sarich and what Rosa said at the presser that night was he was like he's like well now this allows Covington to play his best position obviously implying that he would be the power forward and he was so that's what they want is they want that type of dude Covington type but then it didn't work with Covington like that the cat the cat Covington pairing was ineffective yeah, like, but if you had, if they'd had a point guard, that might have not worked. I'm talking about defense. Have... Mm. I'm talking about defense. It was it, it's that that's their that's their, their worst defensive two man lineup from last season. Is Cat and Covington? Interesting. Yeah, like so, and obviously Covington we know is a a good defender. It just again, this is what I said before. I don't know if it that archetype of four is good for cat. It might be good for like where the league is going now. And it like checks the box of, Oh, this guy can run. Oh, this guy can shoot three. So maybe he can switch some, but like at some point you got to answer, are we trying to play basketball? Like we think basketball should be played in 2020. Or are we trying to play basketball that wins around cat? And I don't know. I, what I'm saying is like a theory. They'd probably be like, Oh, well, everything else was messed up, blah, 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 blah. To me, I see a lot of evidence that says you got to care about who the guys are around Cat defensively, not just on the wing. We always talk about, oh, D'Angelo can't defend. Like, true. But who's going to be who's going to be Cat's help defensively? It's a good – I guess that brings us to the number one overall pick top, huh? That probably is a good spot to go to there. And that, that gets you into, like, if you want to trade down. And it's mm-hmm. just funny because everyone I talk to in the NBA, it's the same – it kind of gets on my nerves. Like I would just trade down. Well, it's like okay, <laughs> whose team's trading up, right? Yeah. Like, like, well, I would just trade down. Okay, that's not an innovative. Like everyone knows that, but like, you have to have a two-way street, right? Mm-hmm. No one's giving you a 2021, 2021 pick to trade up. I don't think that's not heavily protected. Even then, like the Knicks aren't going to give up their pick next year to take a number one in a weak draft and have no pick next year. Like that'd be like really bad for them. I think, anyways. 
I well, I do too, but I think they're the Knicks. Like I, they're I don't a new know. front office. Sure, it, it's but I'm with you. I'm annoyed by the whole narrative around it too, but I think there's some reason to to connect some dots that the Knicks would want Lamelo at one. I think your boy KOC talked about Charlotte moving up to one. I think Wiseman. Okay, but Charlotte, Charlotte moving from one to three makes sense. That makes sense to me. But I don't think you'd get a first for that. You'd get. But like it doesn't. For it. Does it doesn't? It doesn't need to be that much for me. Yeah. Like, because what I what I would want to do with it is like, all right, now we got another thing in the bag, right? We got another. Okay, it's a heavily protected first from the Hornets. In 2021, what does that get you with James Johnson? You know, like. I think it's about you got to accumulate some of that stuff. You got to use some of that stuff with the Johnson contract to get a guy. And then now we're talking about a year, 18 months from now, where you've traded that guy for, you know, in the dream world, like the Booker, the Simmons, that the facsimile of that, you know, mm. like so I, you still I think, keep building assets. You're, so you're thinking you're thinking more of the churn model here, which yeah. that makes sense. It's cheap churning assets. I just don't know what else to do. Like, yeah, I, I, I actually feel like, I mean, whatever, this is just like judging the temperature of the water. Like, I don't hate like Ball, Edwards or Wiseman as prospects at the top of this. Like, yeah, I, I don't I don't mind that. But there are I mean, there there are real issues with all three of them in the context of the fabric of the wolves. Right. Like Wiseman, we're talking about the defense. We're like Wiseman checks so many of those boxes that I'm talking about as far as support around cap, but he doesn't check the boxes of what we understand this front office to want. Like, see, my concern with Wiseman is that it's all theoretical that like he theoretically checks the defensive boxes. Sure. Like, cause I guess like, I guess my concern with him is like when you ask the AAU guys about him, they're not like super high on him. Mm -hmm. They say, they said even in high school, he theoretically is this big athletic guy. Well, he should be awesome. And, like, he but, would get beat by these guys like Isaiah Stewart. I know. That, that was, I know. Maybe I was talking to you, but I was talking to somebody else, too. And they're like, yeah. Isaiah Stewart killed Wiseman all through high that, school. It's like, yeah. And so then it's like, what is he? We're just been going off theoretically his whole life. And now he didn't play all season. And it makes you wonder why he didn't play, right? Sure. Like, it makes no sense for him not to play, honestly. Why did he not play last year? Well, uh, <laughs> I mean, it wasn't he, like. He could have come back in January. He just missed 12. It was still 12 game suspension. So why did he? I mean, there has to be a reason. You think he just wanted the to chill he didn't and like do it not Because play? he didn't want to interrupt his, his draft stock. Because why Because why would he hurt his draft stock by coming back yeah. and playing? Yeah, right? because. That, it doesn't show a ton of confidence in his game, that's for sure. But he would do that. For sure. And he might, and, you know, he might be right, though, that he might still go number one overall. Yeah, he might. It's, it's right. tough, man. It's a tough draft. I think it's pretty fair to. I think the Wolves are doing their due diligence on him or have, but yeah. like, I think it's pretty fair to move on to like considering Ball or Edwards there if they, if they have to pick. And like we did a, we did a media thing with Sasha and Gupta yesterday. They're kind of having us inner like zoom media with all the front yeah. office people. What did he say? <laughs> his, his line was, we're ready to pick if we have to. <laughs> so like, I'm with you that it's annoyed that everybody's saying trade back, but it's like, if there's a group of guys who are trying to trade this back, like is Gerson Rosas and Sasha, like, okay. One thing I'm curious about, 
So what do you make of them like basically not saying anything while the warriors are basically saying everything? It's interesting like this contrast in their media approaches. Well, what I could say for sure of previous things not not related to the draft is I know Gerson has a has a which is a Daryl Morey thing, a media theory of less is more. Like Yeah. I heard that plenty of times asking about things over the course of the previous 12 months. And that's not to say like, they're really good with us. Like from um, giving us availability. I mean, we've talked to Gerson 20 times over the course of this pandemic. Like he's good and he'll, he'll talk basketball with you. But as far as like anything in terms of transactions, draft, whatever, like less is more. And, and you know, I, I think it's fair to say that Bob Myers is like playing this facade well too, but like, so are the Timberwolves. Like they've, They've kept it extremely vague as to what. I wonder if it even matters. I don't even know. It's hard to say. I guess it just depends how other teams in the league are looking at. I don't know. It's just it's interesting to see the, the really contrasting styles there. Because literally the Warriors have been linked to every single player on the top ten. There's been an article about every single one of them. Like we like this guy. I mean, it's a game, man. Like, yeah. That's it's. I think that stuff matters. Again, I'm with you. I don't know, like to to what extent, but there. There is intention behind every one of those, every one of those leagues. I mean, like Sashin yesterday, he comes out and his like first line is, "We're ready to pick," like he, you know, he he says that we're we're ready to pick. If that like that is a say this sort of thing, you know what I mean? And whatever, like you got it, you got to get the narrative out there. Or or Gerson when he's talked, he said like nobody has separated themselves amongst the top picks in the draft, like. They know that when that gets said, that's going to get picked up and Bleacher Report and you're going to Google yeah. Timberwolves first pick and that's going to be the first 50 things and the whatever. Like there is – they want it to be that and we're, we're kidding ourselves if we don't think that they know who they are going to take right now. Like, oh, they know we're still sure. not they sure. Know. Yeah, like they know no, for sure. no way. Yeah, like so it's it – is, it, is it is all a game there. But if they do – if they do pick, I'm assuming your ball or Edwards would be the would be the move for you there, right? Yeah, I've gone back and forth on it, and then I went back and watched a bunch of Edwards tape this week, and then I just think his talent. The one thing about Edwards, I think, is underappreciated. He's actually a pretty good passer. He's a he's yeah. a better passer. Live ball, live ball. Yeah. He's good. He can he can read the floor pretty well. He's super young. The jumper's there. The athleticism's there. The biggest knocks on Edwards are that he took bad shots and he didn't try on defense, which sounds really bad, right? <laughs> that sounds terrible, for sure. But then it's like, yeah, he took bad shots on a team that sucked. Like, he didn't go to a good team. He went to a really terrible program. He couldn't mm-hmm. win games. And then so, like, he had to take bad shots. There's no spacing, really, on his team. So he's in double-teamed a lot. There's His, guys, his teammates can't really finish – it was a lot – honestly, it was a lot like Cat playing last year in Minnesota, which Edwards had to deal with in Georgia, right? There's no right. space, no secondary players, really. So it's like, I got to take bad shots for us to win to have, to have a chance. And then he so, had games where he scored like 35, 40 points, and they won games because he was jacking shots. So it's like, okay. And then the defense thing, yeah, he didn't try out in defense, but he's a young guy on a bad team who didn't – who had to hold the ball most of the game. Like, those guys don't really play two-way generally as a rule so i've been i've been doing a lot of like draft pods here with a guy who's a who's a coach here at the college and um 
in Minnesota. Which and, college? Uh, St. Thomas, which is was D3, but it's just moving to D1 this year, or I guess next year. Nice. Um, yeah. Uh, and so he, my buddy Will, he, he, he views it through more of like a, a coaching lens. And what he keeps coming back to with Edwards is he's like, okay, yes, I understand he got those 35-point games or some of that, but he was going for – like he was trying to fill up his stats for that reason, so we are saying those sort of things about him. Like – yeah. There's so many like bad shots with 17 seconds on the shot clock. Like there's so many. The crazy thing I, I like if you look up per 40 minutes or whatever three point volume is he shot more. He shot more than Neesmith. He shot more than everybody. He shot more threes. Yeah. Per like bomb them away and like yes 29 or whatever percent he shot is is terrible. But like we do need to like mesh those two numbers together, right? Of like. Oh, he shot a ton of them. So I, I believe more in the shot. I think it's – I like him as an off-the-dribble shooter. The um, numbers say – the numbers have said it's free throw shooting and three-point attempts tell you more than three-point percentage. And his three – those numbers indicate, okay, high three-point attempts, high percentage. Mm -hmm. And the number I was – I did the numbers on – let me find the exact one. Hold on real quick. Number as far as what? Um, just hold on. It would be easier if I just read it. This, we can edit this out, right? I have a producer. <laughs> Sorry. No. Sorry. I, I do think with, with Edwards, what has been really, and I, I was, I'm, I'm doing a pod on him next. And I, I think it's what is weird and I think kind of concerning is I, I'm like, oh, I like him off the dribble as a shooter, but he shoots different. Like his, his form, his, everything is different when he shoots off the dribble versus when he shoots. Yeah. Okay. So the number I had. They were six and three when he scored more than twenty-four points. Ten and thirteen when he scored fewer than twenty-four points. Like there's a pretty clear correlation when he's scoring, they're winning. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean that's that's something. I I, I don't know. I, I like I said. I, I'm I'm intrigued in him. For me, it's like this is a total cop out, but I'm like one A, one B, one C, with just Ball, Edwards, and Wise. I would say prospects. this for me. If I was doing it, I would say. I'd want his background. I don't know his background. Like, yep. if, does he have good character? Does he work hard? Do his teammates like him? If he mm -hmm. checked the character boxes for me, I would take him. I think he has the talent. Because he's also really, really young. I think that's important. Really young. Another thing, too, he didn't grow up playing basketball. So he grew up playing football. He didn't pick up basketball until he was in high school, basically. So he's a young into the game. Right. I think that says, okay, this guy that, – that, that's the tough part about the draft, right? It doesn't mean he will develop. But it does mean he could develop. Yeah. So I don't know. Like I think he has the tools. I think given his background, he did about what you could have expected from him last year. What does that mean going forward? It's hard to say. Make the make the case for Lamelo. If it's so close. the case, the case for Lamelo would be: I want elite passing, and then you have Cat. You're turning Cat and D'Angelo into like the best finishers possible, right? Because if you have Lamelo. If you have LaMelo dribbling the ball, then Cat, Beasley, and, and D'Angelo will get a ton of open shots. You'll play really fast. Mm -hmm. You'll get – and I think he's got better instincts than Edwards. Edwards has the better physical prospect, but Melo for has the better instincts. Like I, would I, say, I feel like that's not even close. Yeah. I would say in three years, I bet LaMelo is a good help defender and an average on-ball defender, right? Mm -hmm. That's going to happen. Whereas yeah. Edwards could be a great on-ball defender and an average off-ball defender, but that might not happen. 
because mm. for him it's more about want to, right? Lamelo, I think, is smart enough. He's going to be good help side no matter what. Whereas Edwards, and he's big. Be really, yeah, he's really really big too. Like tall, like Edwards, long. tall wise, yeah. Yeah, Edwards is thicker. I I think to uh, one thing I go, I'm ultimately at ball as the best pick for the Wolves, and 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 a part of it is what we were talking about at the very beginning, which was that pick the whole that pick and roll action with Cat and Delo, right? And we're like. All right, so that offense is going to be awesome whenever they're running pick and roll with those two. But if a defense can find a way to kind of like scheme that out, force them to spray the ball around a little bit more, that's when the offense, you know, falls out of the elite range because now now you're working through other guys. I love the idea of going pick and roll with Cat and D'Lo, and if that's not there, it's like, okay, second side, now here comes up Lomelo, raises up, and he's the, he's the second pick and roll we're going to and catches pivots, and, and he's setting one for him. Like, I think – I think you just have one of the most once again a couple of years probably for Lamelo, but you you have a chance to have two really dynamic pick and roll options there. I would say this: I would say if you're looking at Lamelo versus Edwards, I think you draft Edwards under the idea that it's going to be more of a democratic. Everyone's on the ball, off the ball, moving the like. It's all guys who can score and pass. If you draft Lamelo, it's more he's the guy, and then your other guys are going to be really efficient, high volume finishers. Whereas to me, like, I think I ultimately want Cat to have the ball. I think Cat could get five, six, seven assists a game. I think that's your best version of your team is Cat empowering Cat to pass to others. So to me, that's where I'd go more the Edwards, the Edwards route. Because I think if you get a pure point guard like LaMelo, right, you can't empower Cat as much because LaMelo needs the ball. LaMelo's not a good shooter. He needs it in his hands mm-hmm. more than Edwards does. So – now the, the the kind of the final thing you brought up was was the idea of taking the pick, playing them for a year with Cat and D'Lo, and then and then Michael Porter, the kind of the Michael Porter Jr. comparison, right? Is that now a year from now, that's an asset that you can trade. See, that that's my, my guess too. Like I feel like trading down and picking up assets. I think if you can maximize a mellow or ball, that's the asset. That's the asset in a year from now where it's like. You know, you can throw a bunch of picks to the team, whatever. It's having mm. that, like, foundational yeah. young guy. Oh, I, I, I agree. I, I agree with that. And that's why I don't think, like, I don't think you're going to be able to get have, like, a stack of, like, four lottery-protected first-round picks and be like, hey, Phoenix, here you go. We want Booker. Or, Tim, like, that's not going to do it. You have to have you have to have that guy. There has to be that that piece. And what I was more suggesting was that be Karis LeVert. But you're right. Like, that could be – you know, that, that could be one of these guys going Michael Porter Jr. with it. And I guess when I was reading that from you, I was like, oh, I like that idea, but how often does that happen? You know what I mean? Like, what if it isn't a good year? What yeah. if it does what if that, that doesn't come? Now have we squandered the value of this number one pick asset? Like that's that that there's some risk there. Well, you know what? You know what's really squandering the value? Not having number one last year or two years ago or next year. It's just tough timing sometimes, man. Life yeah. is like that. And then no, the, then true. you have after that, you have Emily Bates. Like literally, I think. And then there's this guy. I've heard this guy, Victor Wembanyama. I, I saw. He you was the guy playing with Gobert. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, yeah. there's more clips out there. There's seven foot two guys shooting. It it kind of feels like this is like the one the, of all like the last five years. This might be the one. It's just unfortunate timing. Yeah. Which is uh, yeah, which is reason to consider finding ways to get out of it, you know. And but uh, at the same time, I don't know. It, it's a 
it, it's a tough spot. Do you think it's more likely that Ball or Edwards, if they are going to be the Michael Porter Jr., like who who do you think has a better, I guess, rookie year and would have would be more likely to have an improved stock to trade in the year? Good question. It just it depends. That's different, right? That's different than what we were talking about before of like who would be the best guy to have on the team. Like it in depends a, weird way a lot on how the on how the rest of the roster plays yeah. out. And I think to a lot of it, like what most of these NBA, they're gonna the guy they already liked, they're gonna find reasons to like him, and the guy they didn't like, it's like anything else, you know, right? right. So like whoever NBA teams already liked, they'll probably they'll justify liking him a year from now. Right, mm -hmm. they're not going to be like I was wrong. They're going to say, "Well, because you know, it's just <laughs> right. not how human." Because he was works. in Minnesota, yeah, right, yeah. So whoever I, my I think I, my sense is Edward is viewed higher on the league just because he has that sh this, you know it's just the tool. He's like the most of all those guys. He's the most. I, I think I, I'm not sure if it's in the article or not. I can't remember anymore. But like, if you put all those guys in an empty gym and play pickup basketball, he'd be the one where you're like, oh, okay, right. Edwards? You don't need to be, yeah. You don't need to be like some kind of crazy scout guy to be like, look at this guy, oh, totally, freaking, right. look at this tank who dribbles <laughs> off, shoots threes, and just dunking on people running around the floor. Like, he just has the most jump off the page. Okay, and like we're in a wing league, right? And like he's mm -hmm. got the most obvious transition, and he's the most plug and play guy of them all, right? Like Wiseman, Wiseman's a center, Ball's a ball dominant point guard, right? You trade for those guys, your team has to be restructured. Edwards, you kind of plug him in wherever, and it'll probably be okay. As like a floating asset. The the one thing I would say is like, yes, it is a wing league at, at the top. But I feel like we are moving in a direction, and this is probably part of the reason why I ultimately have Lamelo over Edwards, is like, are, are we not moving more and more into that ball-dominant pick-and-roll guy league? Like, yeah. It, not are we at the end of the wing thing like obviously wings are valuable too but you know what i'm kind of saying like this whole like luca like the idea of the dominance that ball dominance becoming more and more valuable in a league that's running more and more pick and rolls like i think you've actually done something important there i think that's the next big like i think that's the next big like philosophical debate in basketball is the luca harden school of ball dominance versus the nuggets heat school of multiple creators off ball movement right? right and it does seem like minnesota falls more in the first category right the way they want to structure their team yet they have the roster of with cat that is the See, Nuggets miami thinking. right that's yeah. Jokic, bam and and that's the that's the hard part if we apply this confusing yeah. this philosophical conversation to a confusing team like i i don't i don't know you don't you also don't want to square peg cat into you know, into a style of play just because you feel it's the next thing, which I don't know, you know, whole another can of worms that we're not going to, going to get into, but like, is, is cat ultimately the guy for a front office and coaching staff that has this philosophy, you know, is, is eventually he I moved for somebody so. else. Oh, who I, I think so. Cause I think they, I mean, they came here for cat, right? Like that's why they're here, especially roses. Like he wouldn't have come for it. I don't think he would have come. I think he wouldn't have come if there wasn't in a star player on a five-year contract. I, guess I don't that's think true. it matters who the star player was. I think that's the ultimate. Like obviously, he believes in Cat, uh, you know, but like that is a that that is what made the Timberwolves' job attractive at the time. Was you got yeah. this guy locked up on the cheap max, the twenty-five percent max, 
for five more years when Rosas took over. Now you can you can go two different paths with that. Can we make Cat the best center in the NBA? Path A, probably the preferred path. But path two is we can try that for two years. Doesn't totally fit with what we're doing. And a year from now, like you could you'll be able to get a hell of a lot for Carl Anthony Towns. I guess it depends what ownership. That's a whole different discussion. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a whole I know that's man. a whole different it's, discussion. It is. Um well, Charks, I appreciate you doing this. I appreciate you writing about the Timberwolves. I it's, seriously, it's like, you know, I have like these different slacks and all stuff like that. I was like, ooh, national media writer writes about the about the Timberwolves. Like we, it's rare. It's rare. Hey, and, happy to do it. You got an interesting um, team. It'll be. I think there's a lot of interesting things to talk about within the next couple of years. Oh, I mean, I honestly, it, I think objectively, it is like they have, they have a group that can go in a lot of different directions. That is. That is good. Like they got good players, good players on, yeah. on on contracts for for multiple years. So, it'll be fun. Um, thank you again. That's Jonathan Sharks. You can follow his wife tweeting out his articles at Jonathan Sharks <laughs> on Twitter. Um, I don't know. We'll we'll keep talking uh, as this draft rolls around, man. I appreciate you. All right, man. Have a good one. All right, peace. How I'm feeling, man. I hope it never stops. Yeah, green and hot, so you can find me in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever ever bring you down. Yeah, hope you dancing like no.